This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff, here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. A very exciting time, spring training in full effect. The World Baseball Classic beginning this week. Top 30 prospect lists are all out now. It's uh, it's quite a time in prospect land and in baseball in general. Jonathan has just returned from Phoenix. He was out there taking in some spring training. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jim will be headed off to both Phoenix and Florida soon. Actually, was in Phoenix not too long ago for some desert invitational action. And we'll be headed back out on the road. Um, but in the meantime, they've been putting together all of these top 30 prospect lists, which are now out, and uh, we're going to touch on those in a bit. Before we do that, we're going to lead off by having Jim and Jonathan assemble. Uh, they're going to draft the best possible prospect lineups, big league ready prospect lineups. So they're going to field a team that they think would do best in the big leagues this year at the end of the season, if we remember. Guys, let's make a note. We'll go back and see who won this draft. What are we going to do? Just cumulative war? Sure. For the season? That works. All right. $25,000 on the line as usual. Standard 25000 yeah. Always, yeah. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about some prospects. I mean, that'll kind of encompass guys who are in spring training, guys battling for positions. One prospect in spring training uh, in big league camp, last year's number 13 overall pick. Uh, Angels number two prospect, Zach Neto. Uh, Jonathan had a chance to sit down and talk to him out in Phoenix. And uh, we're also going to look ahead and tell you which prospects to watch in the World Baseball Classic. There are 22 ranked prospects, and we'll break down where they are, who they are, and uh, when and where you can watch them. And then we're going to wrap up. Uh, how do you guys think we should wrap up? Hmm. Something new, something we haven't done before. Jim, any ideas? Mailbag? Yeah, let's, let's answer a question from the mailbag. Why not? Maybe about a prospect we never talked about. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like we we haven't we, we won't give it away yet, but I feel like we haven't talked about this guy too much, kind of relative to his ranking and his proximity to the big leagues and the team that he's on. I feel like we haven't really overdone it in the past few months on this guy. That's fair. Stick around. Okay, uh, let's get started here and get this draft underway. As I said, we're you guys are drafting... Big league ready prospects, guys you think will be in the big leagues making an impact this year. So uh, interested to see how this goes. Uh, as usual, we have not uh, determined who will pick first. I do not have a coin on me. It feels like we need like a master spreadsheet, although that would be way too much work of who picks first just so we could alternate back and forth. But we, I, we will, Yeah, that's a good idea. We will we will go with whatever you you, you say. But for now, for now, I will flip my... My office coffee bar, which here at MLB is is uh, cleverly named Field of Beans, I uh, will flip my loyalty card 
Jonathan is the side with the details on the back. This Jim is, is just field of, field of beans on the front. Is this like flipping a baseball card back in the yeah, day? It is. And Jim has been awarded the number one overall pick. And Fixed. That's right. As always, <laughs> uh, this is a serpentine draft. Jim, you're, this guy goes number one in all of our drafts. Right, you're me, or you're gonna? No, no, (laughs) I'm not gonna gonna take you. I don't. You don't know who I'm. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I already typed him in. Is that who you thought I was gonna take? We're good. And just explain, Uh, so we don't make this a 40 minute (laughs) segment to open the podcast. We're going to pick our players, and then come back and discuss them afterwards. So we're not. There there will not be commentary. I'm picking Corbin Carroll, and I don't feel like that's who you thought I was gonna pick. It's not. Okay, it's not. But I think uh, I think I see uh, some strategy right off the bat here. (laughs) <laughs> Although right. we've had a million drafts we all know what strategies yeah. we all do the same strategy I mean, but anyway right okay corbin carroll goes one jonathan's taking logan ohapi here not number one i'm taking gunner henderson that's who i thought can't not take the number one pre- yes that's yeah. who i thought jim was gonna take and you get to pick twice jonathan because of oh, as serpentine. always serpentine I, I think now is the time we should tell people that we're doing a, a reboot of the movie the in-laws just so we can reenact the serpentine scene but are you peter falk or are you Alan Arkin? I feel like I'd be more overreacting, so I'd probably be Alan Arkin. That's fair. You know what? I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Jordan Walker. That's a fine pick. Thank you. Yeah, the the reason I didn't take Henderson was just because outfielders are, are hard to find, and I was afraid you'd go Carol Walker, and then my outfield would be hurt, hurting mm. um, at that point. Um, fair. I'm trying to consider who you might take as well. You should take who you want. Don't. Uh... It's not necessary. No, I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to plan it. I'm going Tristan Casas at first base with the Red Sox. Uh, see, I know there's guys you want to take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's tough. I don't think there's any obvious choices here. You guys are not filling specific outfield spots here, right? No, no, no we're I'm just not. going three outfielders as, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yes, that's my... Um, uh, I'll just take Francisco Alvarez. I, I'll let you take Logan Ahapi with your last. I pick. appreciate. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think you would have taken him over Francisco Alvarez anyway. But I feel no. like I just gave you a freebie there. So I will take you, ma- you, you made it. E- you made it easier for me to to make that uh, decision. Uh, I think that I will take Ezekiel Tovar, my shortstop. I, I had you take him in the mock draft. <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, be interesting to see how many like we take of our own guys. Although you've taken a couple of Sam so far. Uh, and then I think I'll take uh, Grayson Rodriguez. And it pains me because I, I really want to take Andrew Painter, but the elbow concerns me. His elbow pains him. So, yeah. Hence yeah. the worry. So, like, now because we, we don't have to, like, I don't have to pick a shortstop. I don't, you know, it's just a weird draft. I'm going to go. I do not like the second base crop at all. Um, there are not obvious second basemen. I'm going to take yep. Michael Bush. I may regret that, but I'm going to take Michael Bush. I, I like Michael Bush. It's just it's it's hard figuring out who's going to play where for the Dodgers. How many at bats guys might get? So that was a a a positional value pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm going to go Sal Fralick of the Brewers, who just has done nothing but hit since he's been in pro ball. Um, so I'm going to go Sal Fralick to fill another outfield spot. I feel good about my my speed and range in the outfield right now. That's solid. I think. That I will take again, as you said. I mean, there's not that many rounds. I'm going to take Ken Waldachuk. Yeah, there weren't the, le- the lefties are thin. I-, I may be trying to take a right hander and make teach him to throw left handed. <laughs> <laughs> Second base is tough. 
I mean, first base, by the way, you got... No, there's, there's some good first... There's another, at least another good first baseman out there. I'll take Logan O'Hoppy. Well, it should get easier from now on because we're all going to have... I, I'm going to take my third outfielder, and then it's just a matter of we don't need the same positions. Right. I, I'm going to take Oscar Colas of the White Sox. Yeah. Um, I did feel like outfield was a tough spot. I, I would not have cried if, if you had had the number one pick and taken Gunnar Henderson and I'd gotten Corbin Carroll and Jordan Walker, but I will take him. And then I don't think we, we, we don't need the same positions anymore. Um, so we can just take whoever the, the reason I passed on, on Gunner was, I think there is some third base depth. I, I'm going to take uh, Josh Young of the Rangers and it, it, it almost pains me not to take Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers, but I'm, I'm not taking Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, He's got an opportunity. It's the same thing with Bush. It's just they have three or four rookies. It's who's going to get at bats. And, and right. he's got a broken pinky finger. So love Miguel Vargas as a prospect, but not not taking him here may regret that. Now, how are we deciding position eligibility here? It should be what he is on the top 100. But I if think. he's got like his pro- the primary position? No, I think if he plays multiple, like if you want to put Jordan Walker at third base, you could. I mean, you've well, no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're not. But yeah, that's not a good wider. example. Yeah. I, I'm asking... I think if he's if he qualifies there on the top 100, you should you can take him. Okay, so then I'm going to take Andy Rodriguez as my second baseman. I, I really I had you projected as if if I got Bush that you were going to have Edouard Julien as oh, your second. Oh, I should baseman. have done that. Shoot, I'm moving Andy Rodriguez to the outfield. There you go. And then it, the funny thing is that I almost took Julien earlier round, but I'm like whatever, I can take him at any time. But now I will take Edouard Julien at second base. I'm going to take. It feels like every time we we do something rookie related, I tout Royce Lewis. I'm taking Royce Lewis at shortstop, wow. and then yeah, you know, there's so many right-handed pitchers. E- even with Painter being sidelined yes. as of now, I'm going to take Hunter Brown of the Astros. And and like I could have gone Yuri Perez. I could have gone Bobby Miller. I'm going to go Hunter Brown. I, I like the way he pitched down the stretch last year. Yeah, I like that pick. I think he's got all kinds of opportunity, and it's obviously a good team. So I'm going Hunter Brown. Okay. So I'm curious. I'm going to take who I'm going to take, but who was the other first baseman that you were thinking? Well, maybe you should say your guy first. Well, it's, it's a question of whether I want to take a guy who I think is going to get at-bats or whether it's a guy who might start the year in the minors and then come up later. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go a little off the, the grid here. I'm going to take Jordan Diaz. Wow. Who are you thinking, Soderstrom? No, I thought you were going to go uh, never nervous Matt Mervis. I, I just... Because of Hosmer and Mancini, like I'm, I'm not, I'm a little concerned with how much playing time he's going to get. But that's fair. Isn't he a member of Team Israel though? He is a member of Team Israel. Like you, you should have gone Colton Gordon, a left-handed pitcher. I mean, there's <laughs> but I, I liked your Waldachuk pick a lot because there just weren't that many lefties who are guaranteed time in the big leagues. So I I, I don't see another right. guy who's going to make an opening day roster. I don't see another guy who's guaranteed. I, I'm just going to go with the guy who I think is the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. It's well, Kyle I still Harrison. have to make – I need to make my other pick first. Oh, but. I'm sorry. I, no, I, it's I okay. I, I mean, it doesn't pick. really matter since, as you pointed out. <laughs> Unless you put Kyle Harrison in the outfield to block me. <laughs> <laughs> I might so, just do that. That's um, how excited I was. Yeah, I think I'm going to take – I'm going to take Garrett Mitchell – as my third, as my outfielder, going more with opportunity than ranking high upside. Okay, I like that. I um, I, I was worried. You, you know how I worry about these things, Jonathan. When I mentioned Miguel Vargas, and you start talking about position eligibility, you were going to put Miguel Vargas in the outfield. 
Um, I was like, why did I bring him up? But yeah, I didn't feel like I don't know. If t- I guess in my brain, he's a third baseman. So yeah, it's, and I could have put him in my outfield too. But anyway, I, I will conclude the draft with Kyle Harrison, and there we have it. So now, now analysis time, I guess. Yeah. So you said, well, let's let's ask the first question of Jason. What what, yeah, what, do you what think? pick or picks surprised you the most? I was blown away by. No, um, <laughs> I don't know that anything here surprised me. I mean, you know, it it always does depend on position, scarcity, and Ken Waldachuk going with the number ten pick or Michael Bush going with the number eight pick kind of speaks to that where you're position scarcity and also opportunity playing into this. I like the I like the Royce Lewis pick. Jim, you're uh staying loyal. Yeah, always yeah. always picking Royce Lewis in any of these things. I mean the toughest thing, and we find this I think time and time again, don't we whenever we do one of these drafts and we did a million of them during the pandemic, having to go three outfielders is always tough. Good because you know it, it just spreads it. I I'm actually having some remorse about not taking Miguel Vargas and putting him on my own outfield. Um but uh, it's just hard to fill out the outfield, and so that kind of like I mean I knew, I I thought the first three picks Jonathan were pretty obvious. Yeah, whatever order you want to take them in, Carroll, Henderson, Walker, were going to be our first three. And I mean I want to Francisco Alvarez, you know. But there, I mean, there's questions as to how many at bats he's going to get. Is his catching ready? You know, is he going to be able to catch good enough to to satisfy you know Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer? You know, you start to come up with questions. That that first three was pretty clear cut, I thought, um, and then I thought it got hard, or harder. Yeah, it, it definitely got harder. I'm glad you took Alvarez uh, because I wanted Logan Ohapi, and he. There's a more direct path to opportunity, for him. I, you know, I think he's going to catch a lot. So, uh, so that I, I appreciated you giving me that that I, gimme right there. But the rest <laughs> of it was was. Tricky. I mean, these are all talented players, but trying to balance opportunity. I like. I think I leaned more towards like these guys are going to play over upside. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I did do a couple minutes of prep. I, I got if I was just picking my team, I got seven of the ten guys I would have wanted oh, anyway. But nicely done. Uh, but it's but it's not like they're slam dunks. And and again, I took Alvarez. I could see Ohapi out producing him. Um, yeah, I knew you were going to take Tovar, and I wanted Royce Lewis. I mean, it's it, it was interesting, but yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I, I you know, I need listen. I love Royce Lewis too. I, my concern with that is just when he's going to be ready and how much he's going to end up playing in the big leagues. That's all. Which is fair. Yeah. With the for among the top seven picks in this draft, uh, numbers one, two, three, four, and seven all taken. Uh, and out of those top seven picks, all of them within the top 25. And we've talked about this several times, you know, going into this season that so many of the top ranked prospects in baseball are big league ready, which I think makes this uh, an even more fun exercise because we are going to see a lot of the very best prospects in baseball in the big leagues this year. And, and this draft speaks to that. I think all but what one two three all but three of the players are top 100 prospects i wonder i wonder how many how many players will end up out producing how many prospects will end up out producing uh guys who uh, were just chosen in this draft out of these these 20 players 
I mean, it seems like there there are guys every year that sure they get that opportunity. I mean, look back. We at, liked Michael Harris last year, but we didn't necessarily think he had a route to playing time, and he wound up being rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's the, he's the biggest example. Yeah, I'm kind of curious if you look back at like last year's uh, final rookie power rankings that we did. How many of the guys there would have been chosen in a in a draft like this? All of them. Is we're that, that we're that good? We would have chosen. <laughs> I mean, Julio, Adley, Harris. We probably wouldn't have picked Harris. Strider. So, well, I doubt we would have picked Strider if we're picking two right-handed pitchers. Stephen Kwan, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you would not no. have Correct. drafted Stephen Kwan. Bobby Witt Jr., I would imagine, would have been taken right up at the top of the draft. Yes. Uh, Joe Ryan. Could have been taken. Could have been. It, it, I'd have to go back and look at who was out there with pitchers. Right. But like, yeah. He was a big league. I mean, I would think last year if we were picking this based on position scarcity, Adley, Adley Rutschman would have been the number one pick. And then Julio and Bobby Witt would have been the two and three picks in whatever order you wanted to pick them in. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could really we could go back and look at the first rookie power rankings of the year and uh, gotten a good idea of of how how you guys would have drafted. But that's the fun thing about rookies because it's not just based on talent. It doesn't necessarily mean the guy who's the best rookie is going to be the best player in the long run. A lot of it's you know opportunity, like Jonathan was saying. A lot of it is sometimes guys have their best years as rookies and never approach that again. Sometimes guys who are I mean, Mike Trout didn't play full season, but Mike Trout came up and hit like 200 in his first extended taste of the big leagues. It didn't blow anybody away. So, I mean, it just, it's, you know, right. it, it's hard to project. No, putting aside the fact that I just completely forgot about moving Miguel Vargas to the outfield. I mean, that's why I ended up picking Garrett Mitchell, who's, you know, not on the top 100. And he's probably the lowest ranked, quote unquote guy that we drafted right he's not on a top 10 by position list right yeah uh, he's not in the top 100 but he's gonna play so you know that's kind of what i was uh sort of uh rolling the dice on there if i had done a little bit more prep like uh you know brett Beatty's another guy who would have been outfield eligible who, who would have been a, a good good fit out there Can, yeah um, let's let's end the segment before i start feeling <laughs> well i i could have drafted <laughs> a little bit remorse. differently too so drafters remorse after I asked, you know, about moving a guy, mostly because I, I really like Andy Rodriguez and I think he's going to hit his way to the big leagues. But uh, you know, bringing up two guys who are probably going to be, you know, have a good chance to play right out of the gate, who I could have put in the outfield. So, but at least you don't have them, so I won't sit there and go like, "Oh man, those guys are killing me," because Jim has them. Well, when when we have our our podcast related story on our site, Jason's going to put his own team together of leftovers and then beat us both. In, in, Probably. in the season war. No, I you did could that play. with the uh I did that with what the futures game uh, home, run home run derby, derby draft. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know you could go Yiner Diaz at catcher and Matt Mervis at first. You got Vargas and Beatty in the outfield. You could you got any number of shortstops. You could go Yuri Perez or Bobby Miller. Like you could put together a yep. pretty good team. And all these guys will be playing with a chip on their shoulder because you guys didn't draft them. That's right. <laughs> Matt Mervis, non-drafted free agent, not drafted here. He's going to hit right. He's used to 36 homers again this year in, in response. Let, let me ask you this real quick. I know that you kind of take spring training performance with a grain of salt. It's a small sample size. And we're, all, we're not even that far in. But how much does Jordan Walker's early success in spring training lead to him being the number three pick here i mean if he if he if he's one for 21 at this point are you still thinking are you still confident that he's going to get enough time that you take him three overall or does he maybe go a little later in this draft i think that 
the dearth relative dearth of outfielders and we need three probably keeps him up pretty high. But the fact that he's off to such a hot start gives me a little more, I don't want to say certainty. You know, I think he came into the spring like he didn't know whether he was going to make the team. But with his performance, you feel a little more certain that even if for whatever reason he's not on the opening day roster, uh, he's going to be up very, very quickly after that. So I, I think it it played into it a little bit, but he would have gone pretty quickly even if he had struggled out of the out of the gate in Florida. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you more confidence. But if Jonathan had not picked him at three and he was one for twenty one, I would have picked him at four. So. Okay. Um, I, I just, I heard enough people. I think you're not plummeted been, to four. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe five. <laughs> if I was like trying to slot, get him under slot a little bit more like <laughs> his slot bonus. But, uh, but no, I mean, he just was so good in the fall league. And, and I, I think the majority of scouts who saw him in the fall league came away thinking he's going to be the right fielder next year. Yeah, he's, he's not April 1st. Right. Yep. It'll be May 1st. So I would have, I, I would have taken him at four or five. So Jim, a similar question for you, Andrew Painter came out in his first spring training start, looked really, really good. Seemed like there was quite a bit of buzz about, you know, talking about could he pitch for the Phillies right off the bat. And then elbow concerns, and we don't know the extent of the issue with the elbow at this point, but if that had not happened, would you have possibly taken him instead of Hunter Brown with your right-handed pitcher pick? I would have thought or, I don't about know. it. I mean, Jonathan, maybe, maybe you would have considered him ahead of Grayson. I don't know. I'm, I, it would have been a tougher. It would have been a tougher choice for me, for for sure. There are so many right-handers. I probably would have leaned toward taking a guy who I thought had not, not that. I mean, Painter Painter's really, really good, and when he's ready, they should call him up. But he he's you know it's not like he's pitched a lot in Double A. He hasn't pitched in Triple A. You know, it's a World Series team. Like, I think there's a scenario where even healthy Andrew Painter, they're like, okay, there's some stuff we want him to work on, you know, and they, you know, bring him up at the end of May or something. So I don't know that I would have picked him. I mean, he would have definitely been a consideration. I would have, I, I think if he were healthy, in my mind, I would have waited anyway, because I was like, oh, Jonathan might take Painter and I could just take Grayson Rodriguez, who I thought was the obvious guy. Um, but there's so many right here. I mean, Yuri Perez is kind of in a similar situation as Painter, although worst team. There's Bobby Miller out there. I mean, shoot, if you want to go Dodgers, there's Gavin Stone out there. There's there's a lot of right-handed pitching options. So I probably would have I probably would have done what I did anyway, which is wait and let Jonathan pick one and then sifted through the remaining guys. Brandon Fats a super interesting one who's mm-hmm. not like way up the list. And but, he's pitching you know, really well. Yeah, and, and he pitched really well last year. Brandon Fat could be a, a sleeper rookie of the year guy. All right. Uh, we will uh, see how all this plays out over the course of this year. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we are going to talk to last year's number 13 overall draft pick, Angels number two prospect, Zach Neto. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis, I'm Jonathan Mayo. And in my travels running around Arizona, I got to talk to a lot of prospects. Now we're going to listen to uh, my chat with the Angels' first rounder from 2022, Zach Neto. Talked about building his profile at Campbell University, being in big league camp right out of the gate, and his unusual setup in the batter's box. All right, we'll start with this sort of simple, obviously. This is your first spring training of any kind, and then you get to come to big league camp. I mean, what was it like when you got that invite from the Angels? Yeah, you know, it was it was awesome. It was always that dream come true. Um, talking to Phil, talking to Perry, um, just kind of seeing where they see me at. Um, what I need to work on, what I need to do coming into spring training, and just having that conversation with them, having that confidence that I know what I got to do to get to what I, what I got to be. And, um, you know, it's, it was just awesome. And then finally getting that invite, you know, it was, it was just a mix of emotions, you know. Um, didn't know whether to smile or to cry. So it was just um, it was just one of those that you just – it was one of the things at the moment that you just like a, a burst of excitement, and um, I'm excited to be here for sure. Coming into your first big league, clubhouse of any kind is a lot but you're just getting started and this clubhouse has like two of the biggest giants in all of baseball is it is it a little hard to sort of check the the baseball fan in you when you're coming <laughs> in and like there's Mike Trout and Shohei yeah, Otani for sure uh when I first when I first got in here um you know it was, it was kind of that that hole in that wall I was like oh man look at Mike right there look at Shohei but you know kind of as the days gone on or as practice gone on you know it was just kind of more just talking you know I love to talk so it's just kind of picking their brain a little bit things like that and um I mean now we just I walk in it's like yo what's up Mike like you know it's just this is a nice little friendly conversation you know they're my teammates so I'm um, just trying to get into as much relationship as possible with them and um and Shohei as well so I'm um, just kind of trying to vibe with them chill with them and just be their teammate and be the best team I can so I want to go back a little bit to your amateur career because I feel like Campbell five years ago no one six years ago you know not really known as a baseball school it's still obviously it's not LSU or whatever, but seems like it's starting to churn out some really good players. Tell me a little bit about how how they found you or you found them coming out of high school. Yeah, so um, they found me at a Lake Point tournament um, coming out of high school. Uh, they liked what they saw and uh, took a visit, and you know I fell in love with the visit, and so I committed to go there. When I first got there, you know, Coach Hare kind of told me how it was going to be straight up, straight forward, didn't lie, didn't do anything like how any other like school wants to sell the school. 
he just told me straightforward and you know that's what I, that's what I liked about him you know he was just straight to the point and I mean my three years there um, it was just I became a better person like how he always preaches being a better person um, went there for my education and then at the end of the day just playing baseball as a as a hobby and you know it was ended up coming it ended up working out for me you know going going to the first round but um, just just having those three years there with him and just kind of like being on my own and having that individualism by myself you know it was it was awesome and uh, he helped me through the whole way and so did all the coaches and I mean I, I wouldn't be in the spot I am today if I wasn't for that. Speaking of getting to that spot I mean it sounds to me that you started out as this is cool I'm going to get to play division one baseball awesome when did you start realizing wait I, I have a chance maybe to not just be a college baseball player but Forget about first round, like, but we'll get to that in a second. But just okay, I might be able to keep playing for sure. Yeah, um, I would say um, I had I had that burst out year my first year, got invited to the Cape, and then um, I got cut from Katuit. And when I made it to Brewster, you know, I, I kind of had a really good first day, and I was like, man, you know, I think I belong here. And you know, I had a really good time in the Cape, and coming into that fall, I, I was just I was like, all right, I'm confident enough that before all the rankings came out, before everything came out, I was like. I'm confident I deserve to be here. I deserve to go in this draft, maybe one through five, hopefully, and um, ended up going out my way. And uh, throughout the whole season, it was just more kind of getting all that out of my head, you know, just kind of just playing the game that I love, going out there, helping my teammates win, whether it was on the field or on the mound, and just, just doing the best I could to get the win. And in a lot of ways, going in the first round, obviously, is good as the work you put in, but you talk about how great the program was for you you automatically become the poster guy for Campbell in a lot of ways. Is it nice to sort of instantaneously be able to give back to them in terms of shining a, a spotlight on what they're doing there? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, um, I support them every every game that they play. You know, I'm always putting on my Campbell hoodie and just pretending I'm there. You know, uh, you know, they're they're my guys. And I when I after our instructs here, I went over there for the Fall World Series and just kind of met with all the new new guys, um, even my old teammates. So just kind of just filling in that spot that, you know, a leadership role for them, um, just knowing that they have me there whenever they want, um, gave them my number, so if they want to talk or anything, baseball or non-baseball related, um, you know, I've always I've always had that when I was there, so why not give back? And, um, and you know, Coach Herd does a great job of, of having his alumni or having his pro guys come back and just feeding, feeding knowledge to new players there and just kind of making it more comfortable for them. All right, I want to talk about your swing. You know, a lot of people have talked about it. It's not how people would teach it, right? Sure. So I'm like, where did the leg kick come from? How often did someone try to knock that out of you until they realize, well, right, what's working? Yeah, for sure. I would, I would say it's people. People try to knock it out um, every time I swing. You know, everywhere I go. Um, it came in high school. You know, always growing up watching Justin Turner, things like that. I wasn't the biggest kid in high school, so I wanted to, I wanted to hit some balls out. You know, I wanted to go somewhere. And um, I tried out a tournament, you know, it worked out for me. I had a really good tournament, had a couple home runs. And so I just kept it going, just kept working through it. Um, it was all right in high school. I would say I established it more when I got to college. You know, Hare, Hare was a big fan of it. And it was just more of establishing my base with it, you know, being the best player I can uh, with it. And that came with gaining a couple pounds, you know, getting my body right for to drive balls out of the park or drive balls into the gap. And um, like as Coach Harris said, like he, he described me as a baller, and I feel like that's what I came out as a, a baller. You know, someone who just goes out there is, is the dirtbag of the team. You know, brings in runs however he can, and can drive balls out as well. So um, you know, it's just 
has always stuck with me. Um, when I got to college, it just established more, and I established more as a hitter when I got to college, especially in my two-strike approach. Um, and then when I got to pro ball, kind of just same thing. They just let me, they just let me be, let me play, and and uh, and you guys, you've seen that. Yeah, that, so. I mean, I'm a firm believer of if if it's ain't broke, don't fix it until it stops working. Sure. I mean, was there ever a point in time? I mean, you made it to Double A, and you, I mean, you hit everywhere, and you continue to hit in Double A. I mean, did you have any doubt that that would work against? I mean, Double A pitching—that's a huge leap you made For last sure. year. Yeah, um, I, I didn't think I didn't never had a doubt in my mind that it wasn't going to work. You know, um, I, I faced any, I faced a lot of good arms in college. I faced a lot of good arms in pro ball. Um, I never had a doubt that it wouldn't work. It was more of kind of just getting my timing down with all their with all the pitches and you know higher velocities. You're facing Friday night guy every day pretty much. So it's just more getting on time and and delivering the baseball. Um, I would say the most I've done here is work on my two-strike approach, you know, kind of being more disciplined. Um, you know, pitch, pitches are way better here in pro ball, uh, especially as you go up the levels. But um, that was something I definitely got accustomed to, uh, just kind of being more disciplined on my two-strike, knowing which pitches I can handle and just putting them on play. I want to ask about your, your defense, and I got one more thing. You're not a one-dimensional player, obviously. Sure. Um, one of the things that made you sort of a first-round talent, not only could you swing the bat, but you could swing the bat and stick at a premium position. How much pride do you take on on being that complete player and showing everybody that, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of shortstops now who are maybe bigger and, you know, look different than they used to, that you can stay there, you have the arm there, you can do all the things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's something Phil preaches about a lot. You know, uh, he's not worried about the hitting side. It's more of the defense side. And, you know, I've, I feel like I've, I I can hold my own there. You know, I feel like I could be a future, future shortstop in the, in the big leagues. And um, it's just a matter of just keep getting that repetition, getting that practice. You know, uh, I kind of, I wouldn't say struggle, but, you know, I kind of, kind of like had some downtime this year and, um, you know, sped up, the game sped up big time. So just kind of slowing the game down, that's been the biggest thing in the off season. And even now in spring training, just slowing the game down. And uh, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that I could handle being out there. You know, I, I could make plays, make spectacular plays out there, make the routine plays. There's no doubt in my mind. It's just, you know, kind of slowing the game down and then, the bat, the bat will handle itself. So, okay. So you want to slow the game down, but you are clearly on on a fast track. Anyone who enters pro ball or even plays where you did college dreams of playing in the big leagues, but you come in, you make it to Double A. You're in big league camp. I would imagine that you can almost taste it. Like, do you sort of recognize that your timetable is more accelerated than most? And and how do you keep yourself from letting that speed up and try to do all the things to get you to, to Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I could definitely taste it. You know, I've been been watching the whole offseason, been been here spring, uh, spring training, you know. It's just it's just been something that, you know, it's it's up for grabs. You know, Phil, me and Phil kind of talked about it. You know, it's just something that you, you got to work your way to earn it, you know, and it's easier to, it's easier to get up there, but it's harder to stay up there. So um, that's something he's preached. And, you know, it's something that I want to I want to get up there and just stay there. And so it's just it's the amount of work I put in, you know. Just got to keep going, uh, keep swinging the bat, keep showing up everybody that I can play that position and stick and stick there. And I mean, I'm really not trying to look into the future, but um, just kind of be where my feet are, you know. Uh, that's how I slow the game down, you know. Uh, take a deep breath, you know. Just know where I'm at at the moment, and uh, just just not look into the future just too far yet. So great, Zach. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks very much to Zach Neto for joining us. We're going to take a break. When we return, 
we're going to identify the best farm system in each division now that all top 30 prospect lists are out. And we're going to look ahead and tell you about the prospects to watch in the World Baseball Classic. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, I'm Jason Ratliff. I have a frog in my throat. We have 30 top prospect lists out now. 30 top 30 team prospect lists. Jim, Jonathan, and Sam Dykstra have been working diligently on these for months. Last week uh, on the show, the first two divisions were out, the NL East and AL East, as we put out a division per day over the course of about a week. And uh, we identified, well, I angered Jim by uh, spontaneously asking them to rank the farm systems. (laughs) You're not even telling the truth. We had agreed not to do that before the podcast. We said we weren't doing it, and then you made us do it. It was spontaneous to actually do it. Um, uh, And in doing so... Uh, in recording the worst podcast segment in the history of our podcast, according to Jim, uh, you guys identified the Orioles as the top farm system in the ALE. So that's shocking. Um, and then in those rankings, the Nats were the first NL team. They were number three behind the Rays. Uh, so they would have been the top farm system in the NL East. And I know I sprung that on you, but are you you're sticking with those rankings as far as saying those are in fact the top team, the top farm systems in in those two divisions? Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm uh, not going to make 100%. I'm not going to make you. Let's redraft right now. Redraft. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <All> right. so, <clears throat> uh, so let's let's uh, rank these other twenty. No. Okay. But let's do talk about the best farm system uh, in each division. We'll go ahead and go uh, in the order that we released these top 30s. What what did we start with, American League or National League? We started with National League. Okay, so National League Central. Home to teams where both Jonathan and I live, coincidentally enough, the National League Central. That is true. Yeah, and where I'm from. Also true. All right, uh, who's going to identify the best farm system in the NL Central between the two of you and... I will. We'll, we'll hop back right. and forth. All right, Jim will take the AL Central. Well, Jonathan? I, I will say, as a prelude, Jonathan, I think this is the toughest division to pick 
because I believe we've not done our farm system rankings yet. I believe all five of these farm systems could rank in the upper half of our farm system rankings. So correct. Yeah, it is it, tough. It, it's this. This is the most perilous answer you will give this entire <laughs> podcast. And I will just say you're wrong because odds are you will be because they're so close. Right. I, I, you know, to me, you're absolutely right. I think it's between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and I'm going to take the Reds. I would take take the Reds also, but tell, tell us why you arrived at that conclusion. I I just, uh, you know, the, the pirates are, you know, they have some really, really good talent at the top and it's a very, very good system. I think the Reds have a little more overall depth with similar sort of Top end stuff. I mean, anytime you start with Ellie De La Cruz, you have that level of prospect that certainly helps. But I do both of those top thirties, and I just felt like the like the back end of the Reds list was a little, the slightest bit more interesting than the Pirates, and that's kind of why I leaned in that direction. And Jim, do you agree that those are the the two? I know, I know, you said you agree with the Reds, but Jonathan said he had. The two teams there, one and two. Do you agree with those two? Um, or would you have somebody else second? Yeah, I would lean that way. I mean, I did, as I as I've said, I haven't dug deep. Like like no. the, the organization rankings are tough because you have to look at so many factors. I off the top of my head, you know, cursorily looking at this, I would go Pirates too. Although I feel like the Cardinals and Cubs are right there with the Pirates, and I think the Brewers are probably the fifth best farm system in the division. But I think they're a top fifteen so farm good. system. So yeah. I would. Without doing more study at this moment, I would be comfortable going with the Pirates at number two. Okay. Let's uh, move over to the AL Central. And Jim, who do you have as the top dog there? And this one, I think, is as hard as the NL Central was. The AL Hmm. Central is pretty easy. Yes. Because I think there's one team that's going to rank in the top half of of when we rank all 30 teams. There's only one, I think, top 15 farm system. And I think it's a top five farm system, and that's the Cleveland Indians. I mean, you've got oh, – oh, wow. oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Cleveland Guardians. I hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah, so, a very long time. So, wow. I thought you were over it. I, I, I thought I was too. I <laughs> was like, wait a minute. What, what did I do wrong there? So anyway, I, I will forget what the fine is, but I will have to pay that, I guess. Um, uh, Cleveland Guardians, uh, I, I like the balance in their system. I mean, Daniel Espino – He's got some health issues again right now, but they've got guys like Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen on the pitching side. And then on the hitting side, you've got George Valera, Bo Naylor, Brian Riccio, Chase Delotter, who's hurt, Gabriel. I, I could go on and on and on. I think it's one of the more balanced farm systems in terms of having hitting and pitching prospects. But the, the one thing I wonder a little bit about also when I look at the composition of big league team is – it seems like 90% of their best hitting prospects are all the same profile and similar to what's on the big league club where it's hit over power guys. And I think the system is going to need to develop. I mean, they're not going out and spending on talent outside the organization. I mean, they've had one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. They're going to need to develop some power hitters to go with all the bat on ball guys that they do have, but they do have, like they probably have more 50. We put grades on these guys. I'm just looking at this real quick. I think I gave nine hitters on their top 30s. No, 10 hitters, 55 or better mm-hmm. hit tools. And that's got to be the most in baseball of any of our top 30s. And uh, no argument there, I assume? Mm, no, no, none. <clears throat> I don't even think it's close. You know, the, the, the twin system is okay, but it's not great at this point. 
they've graduated a lot of guys and i mean the guardians are are the clear and obvious choice okay uh let's move on then to the nl west and jonathan or do we have the uh reigning champs holding on to the top spot reigning champs in, in terms of in terms, in terms of what? The team that has had the best farm system in the NL West. For... It's like, what, did the Astros move back from the NL West? <laughs> what like, just happened? What? <laughs> um, I think so. And that's, you know, the, I think that the Dodgers, this, this is another sort of interesting conversation because I do think that there are a couple of up-and-coming systems or, you know, very strong systems. But I still think I would give the Dodgers the edge. But the Rockies and Diamondbacks... Jim, I, I don't think are that far behind at this point. And they both have very intriguing systems. I probably would go Dodgers, Diamondbacks, then Rockies at this point. I will both agree and disagree with you. Okay. I think the Rockies are more of a distant third behind those two teams. I think the Rockies are middle of the pack. And I think you keep getting the tough divisions here, Jonathan. I'm That's not sure right. how it worked out this way. But I was going to say the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. And again, I haven't ranked them, so I'll just throw this. Out. I think they could be two of the top five farm, yeah, two of the top five farm systems in baseball, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I think they're neck and neck. I think the Dodgers like have more depth, and I think if it, if if you had them even, just the Dodgers' excellence at developing players, I, I think gives them an edge. But you know, they've got the Dodgers have seven top 100 prospects. I think six of them have 2023 20, ETAs. But they have another wave of guys coming too, you know, Diego Cartaya, their their top prospect. But guys like Nick Nestrini and Nick Frasso and Josu DePaula and River Ryan's a guy who kind of came out of nowhere last year. They just seem to keep, hey, we've graduated guys to the big leagues. Let's just create some more prospects yeah. in our lab and they're going to be really interesting. You know, Ronan Kopp, I mean, he's got crazy stuff for a left-hander. And if he gets more control and command, he's going to fly up lists. So I, I agree with you. The Dodgers are number one. I think the dime, the Dimebacks are two, and then while I like the Rockies farm system, I think they're on a different tier than those two. Yeah, it seems like the you know the Dodgers have a little more depth. The the D-backs though, with three of the top fifteen overall, with that elite talent at the top, if they uh, you know if, if all three of those guys, uh, Carroll, Lawler, and Jones fulfill their potential, uh, that's a that's a nice future right you and, could make an argument for putting them ahead based on that top three you, you yeah really i mean you know they it's the benefit of drafting at the top of the draft for you know close to the top of the draft uh for a few years and you know you make sure you don't miss on those guys but i think those three and then you know we, we've talked about brandon fought they've got a, you know some some other arms in there who who are you know who are getting close also and, and are interesting so it's not just those top three so it does make it it does make it pretty close Okay, and let's uh, go to the final division, the AL West. And <laughs> once again, I have an easy division because I think we're talking about much like the AL Central, Jonathan. There's one team that I think is a top in the upper half of the top of 30 farm systems, and there's four teams that are in the back half of the of the farm system. So I think it's a pretty obvious one to go with the Rangers. They have six guys on the top 100 prospects and Josh Young, Evan Carter, Owen White, Luis Angel Acuna, Jack Leiter, Brock Porter. But they also have like a group right behind them. Justin Foskey's been on our top 100 list. I think I, Dustin Harris was on our top 100 list, Jonathan. And if he wasn't, we he certainly was very talked close about to him a lot. It. Yeah. Aaron Zavala's not that far away. He's one of the better peer hitters in the minors. Kumar Rocker, 
you know, obviously if he's fully healthy, he'd be on the top 100 list and, and could jump on there. And Anthony Gutierrez is a really exciting outfielder and, and their depth goes on and on and on. So I, I think that's a clear, my two divisions were really easy yeah, where they both basically had one team that ranks in the upper half of baseball. And, and in this case, it's the Rangers. Yeah, they have, uh, and again, as you guys mentioned all the time, this is when you rank the farm systems, it's not just about the top 100 prospects, but the Rangers have one fewer top 100 prospect than the other teams in the division combined. Wow. Yeah, now that, it certainly it certainly stands out there, and that that and I think this was even easier than than the AL Central, and the AL Central was pretty. You know, it's just that I think everyone else in this division, you know. The A's have built some depth, but they just don't have anywhere close to the sort of impact kind of talent. So it's not even it's not even a conversation. Okay, let's uh, let's shift our attention to the World Baseball Classic uh, underway. Probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, as we are recording on Tuesday morning, and the tournament begins tonight. There are 22 ranked prospects in on rosters. For this year's World Baseball Classic, three in the top 100. Harry Ford, Mariners' number one prospect, number 49 overall. Bo Naylor, Guardians' number four, MLB's number 64 overall. And Sal Frelick, Brewers' number two prospect and number 30 overall are the three top 100 prospects, and they're uh, dispersed among three different teams. Harry Ford playing for Great Britain, uh, Bo Naylor, Canada, and Sal Frelick, Italy. Going through, I, I want to kind of break it down pool by pool and serpentine draft, right? Serpentine draft <laughs> by pool. I give give you an idea of which pools. If you want to watch prospects in the World Baseball Classic, uh, Pool C is really uh, the place to have your attention. Canada has seven ranked prospects on its team. Naylor, Jonathan's favorite, Jonathan Eduard Julien, Owen Casey, Denzel Clark of the Cubs and A's, Otto Lopez of the Blue Jays, uh, as well as Desan Brown of the Blue Jays, I believe was a, a late addition, and Mitch Bratt of the Rangers. So seven players on that Canadian team. That's a fun team. Yeah, that's it's a lot of prospects. Uh, the, the team with the next most prospects would be Israel, which, Jonathan, you know right. a little bit about that team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fun. It's a much better roster than the last time around. So it's, um, yeah. you know, they're in a ridiculous pool, but uh, I think it'll be fun. Did you want to tick off like who who the prize? No top one hundred guys, but yeah, tell tell us who the prospects are. But I'm I'm also interested to hear. I mean, you coming right out and saying that it's a much stronger uh, roster than than last time around, and they they made a nice run last time around. They did. They they didn't have to play the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Puerto Rico. But Zach Geloff of the A's, their number three prospect, Matt Mervis, aforementioned, uh, Cubs number seven prospect, lefty Colton Gordon of the Astros, who's now in their top ten, and Spencer Horowitz, who's the Blue Jays' number eighteen prospect. That you know, I think the the biggest difference with this team, I mean, just with those guys, is you know, upper level, legitimate prospects, uh, you know, in the lineup. Uh, their bullpen is a lot deeper, which is um, which is going is hugely important in this in this thing. And last time around, as incredible as the run was, they just you know they ran out of pitching. So it'll be interesting to to see what they can do given who they have to play against. But uh, you know, just having Geloff and Mervis and you know probably in the middle of the lineup 
Jim, we saw them play for the Mesa Solar Sox together. So they're, they're carrying that over. There you go. Yep. So I, I kind of skipped from one pool to the other. That's okay. But go, going back to pool C, which is where Canada is, that that's the pool that's in Phoenix. Uh, it also includes Colombia, Great Britain, Mexico, and the United States. The U.S. is the one team in that pool that doesn't have any ranked prospects, um, which makes sense. Uh, full of full of big leaguers. And the same is true of you know some of the other uh, big guns in the tournament: the Dominican Republic, uh, Japan. Uh, you know, several of the the bigger team. Uh, you know, the favorites do not have any pro- ranked prospects on their teams. But in Pool C, you've got Canada with seven, Colombia with two. Uh, Jordan Diaz of the A's and Luis de Avila of the Braves. And uh, then Mexico uh, has one one player as well. Um, so 11 total in Pool C. Pool D that we talked about in, in Miami, that's in Miami uh, where Israel is. Uh, a player each for Nicaragua and Puerto Rico there. Carlos Rodriguez of the Brewers, that's the right-handed pitcher, Carlos Rodriguez of the Brewers and Dominic Hamill of the Mets pitching for Puerto Rico. Uh, pool B somehow does not have a single prospect, uh, ranked prospect, Australia, China, Czech Republic, Korea, and Japan. Pool A, which is in Taiwan, uh, has Italy with Frelich and d outfield prospect Dominic Fletcher. Netherlands has uh, one Ranked prospect, Panama with two, so uh, five total in Pool A. Is there uh, anyone in particular, Jim, that uh, intrigues you here, That uh, whether it's a top 100 prospect or, or otherwise, that you're excited to see how they fare in the on the big stage? Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how Harry Ford fares. Mm, um, you know, he's on the Great Britain team. Um, you know, that's not going to be one of the deeper teams. He's going to be one of the higher profile guys. Both his parents, I guess, hold citizenship in the U.K., um, and that's an interesting pool too. I mean, you've got Canada, which is going to have a team with a bunch of professionals on it. You've got the U.S., which is going to be one of the stronger teams. You know, you know Mexico is going to have a lot of professionals as well. So he's going to get tested by quality competition. So, I mean, not that I think it's going to raise or sink his prospect stock based on how he does in WBC, but he's probably the guy I'm the most interested in just seeing how he performs. Yeah, he was he was really good in the qualifiers, but of course that was against lesser competition. So yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to see. I just think it's a great opportunity, especially for someone like I know it's a decision that all players have to make, and there's a subset of of prospects who were, you know, on on the cusp of competing for big league jobs, who felt that, uh, you know, they didn't want the time away from spring training because they were legitimate competition. And then there are some prospects, you know, maybe further away where the teams wouldn't even allow them to to play. But, you know, for, for a guy like Harry Ford, like this is a sweet spot. I think this is a, a great opportunity for him to play against, you know, a higher level of competition than he's faced to date. You know, he was in single A ball last year. It, you know, had a really good second half. So I, I like I think for a lot of these guys, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be great for them to see what they can can do. I know, you know, I talked to Zach Geloff when I was in A's camp and I talked to him a bunch about it in the fall league. And there's a chance that he might be able to make the, the big league team out of spring training. Uh, he probably didn't, doesn't quite have enough uh, reps in the minors, 
But the one benefit of being in that ridiculous pool is he's going to be facing really, really good competition. It's going to help him get ready for what will be a big league call-up at some point in 2023, and the same for for Matt Mervis. All right, and again, that's getting underway, World Baseball Classic getting underway this week. You can watch it on Fox, FS1, FS2, Fox Deportes, and Tubi. Um, There's a story up on MLB.com slash pipeline where you can see the full breakdown of all the prospects involved, so check that out there. All right, we have a question in the mailbag here that we should answer. It comes from Rational Yankees fan at there's, Rational there's underscore no such, Yankee. That, yeah, that's an oxymoron was, right there. Yeah, I was. Sorry, wait. please continue. Um, the question is Should Anthony Volpe break camp with the Yankees? In a word, yes. Jim? I'll say no. And then that's the whole podcast. Wow. We're done. <laughs> um, I knew he was going to say no, so I figured I would just. Well, you, you can go first. first. You tell us why he should make the team. You know, I. Why? Well, I, 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 I know you're not. You didn't it. You banging the banging your fist different. on the table. No, no, I'm not. I'm not vehement uh, about this, and and I'm not. You know, you don't want to base it just on the fact that he's looked good in, you know, in in camp. Uh, I am a believer that you bring the best 26 players with you. I don't know that they're you know where where exactly he would fit right now. Um, you know, so uh, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. I, I, I honestly I said yes because I knew Jim <laughs> was likely going to say no. Um, I just, I mean, look, he's played well in camp. I don't think, you know, 20 plate appearances in big league camp necessarily mean a whole lot. I think, I mean, it probably makes more sense to have Oswald Peraza in the lineup as your starting shortstop. He's a better defender. He played well down the stretch last year in the big leagues. Uh, Volpe has not played in AAA yet. He, you know, it, it, it was a weird year last year. He got off to a slow start. He only hit 249 overall, but he became the first player since Andrew Jones to have 20 homers and 50 steals in a season, in, in a minor league season since 1995. And he drew a bunch of walks, so he contributed in a bunch of ways. I, I think as the roster is right now, you know, unless they can somehow purge Josh Donaldson or, you know, Glaber Torres moves. They still have DJ LeMahieu. They, they have a bunch of infielders and not a lot of spots. I'd rather have Volpe playing every day in AAA to start the season than maybe not getting, you know, six starts a week at the big league level. I, I also think in the long run when he comes up, assuming Peraza is as good as, as we think he is and the Yankees think he is, Peraza is clearly a better defender at shortstop. Right. And Volpe's probably going to be the second baseman at the big league level. Again, he's blocked by Torres, and yeah, I don't know where Lemayhew's going to fit in. But you know, I'd rather have Volpe. I think starting the year in AAA and maybe playing second base, you know, shortstop four times a week, second base a couple times, two three times a week to get acclimated there, because that's probably where he's going to wind up playing for the Yankees, if not when he first comes up in the long run. All right. Thank you to Rational Yankees fan for that question. Thanks to Zach Neto for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLP Pipeline Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.